Wrestling. My name is Andrea Akwakwamia. Welcome to The Only Black Girl on Mars, a podcast where we shine a spotlight on strong black women who are shaping the world through their diverse strengths, paired with their unique perspectives and experiences. Today we are taking a forecasted look at the implementation of working from home. To discuss this topic, I was joined by Executive Assistant Margaret Bisase from Jacksonville, Florida, who has graced the halls of American Express for 31 years. She is a notable woman of faith in her local community and a proud grandmother with a capital P. Her team at Amex made the shift to remote working five years ago, allowing us to discuss what long-term company transitions may look like for many. In addition, we spoke about ways of managing wellness while working from home and how it will take adaptive team leaders to develop emotional intelligence in order to foster inclusive company cultures. Thank you so much for being here with with us today, Maggie. Um, You're in Jacksonville right now. Correct, yes, the sunshine state. (laughs) So I feel grateful that, you know, you're probably usually winding down your day and you took some time out um, for us to chat today. So this is the first episode of The Only Black Girl on Mars. And I really wanted to have this conversation about um, what the future of working from home will be like in the state of remote working. And since I know you've worked as a veteran for 20 years, right, at American Express, is that correct? No, uh, actually, I just, I'm approaching my 31st anniversary this month. Okay. <laughs> why does, why does LinkedIn say 20 years, girl? It's 31. <laughs> it's because I, I had a brief moment of when they let us all go and then they rehired us. So uh, okay. it, it breaks the chain. And so, but if you look, if I've been gone two weeks, my my seniority is bridged and so okay. I'm 31 years on the 29th wow and that so that is you know even more impressive and i know you decided recently in the past five years to work mm-hmm. from home so i figured you know why not talk to what i'll call an authority on the topic as we go into a new era um, of the world today so right. The first question I'll ask you is, what were some of the thoughts going through your mind when you first were making that official decision that you wanted to um, work from home officially? Well, it was really not a decision I made. It was sort of made for me. Mm. Um, The company I work for said that they were tired. They did not want to renew their lease. Mm -hmm. And because of the nature of the work we do, um, it'll be easy to telecommute and and all they had to do is give us a laptop and and we use our own internet connectivity and they reimburse us for that cost and it beats the cost of paying millions of dollars for office space for real estate right right, right. so so how did that can you take us through some of the emotions you had when you were first told that this is how the company was moving and and um, what that transition was like yeah I remember when the announcement came through as a single parent of a teenage girl at the time Mm. I was super excited because my daughter was at an age where she needed extra surveillance if you know what I mean and it was very difficult to do that only from having been a teenage girl (laughs) exactly exactly and so it was very difficult to do that when she knew exactly what time i'd be home she'd know exactly when i was leaving so being on site all the time um helped me um deal with that turbulent time in our lives but i also remember talking to colleagues and there were some that just broke down and cried Mm-hmm. and didn't like the idea of going home because like one one colleague had a disabled um, spouse and he paid for someone to come in the home to take care of her if right. he worked at home then he felt like you know that would be a huge he would have no space to actually work because his spouse would be in the house another said they lived alone and didn't like the prospect of being completely out of touch they considered the work 
the workforce um, team he was on, mm-hmm. family. And he says, right. these are the only times that I have human contact. If, if I go home, I'll never see anybody. Right. So that was, that was humbling for me because I was like, yes, I'm going to get some control over my life. <laughs> I, and yet I've got people around me who are like, I've, I've got no life unless I'm at work. Right. And, then, and then there were others, um, especially people in supervisory positions who felt like they were going to step up their vigilance on policing us because they were sure we we're going to sit on the porch and, and <laughs> eat bonbons and drink Mai Tais instead of working, <laughs> which, yeah. which, which, of course, is not what really happened. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Is- I mean, I think there are reports saying that there is even more surveillance now as people are working from home and there's technology now that's being sort of implemented on absolutely employees because of that you know absolutely is that something that you think is necessary for managers to do i mean as an executive assistant you kind of know what's Mm -hmm. going on in in most realms so right no i think I think it's a fact of life for us now as a nation and globally, I think it is, that we have a certain amount of surveillance that's on us. Big Brother is here. There's mm. no way to get rid of him. If you're on the, on the, on the spectrum, they see you. There's, there's no way to not be seen. But I think the part that balances it out, right, because there's always balance, and discounting the the varying factors of differences in personality i find that i work two i am two times more productive working at home than i ever was in the office mm. there are no distractions of the water cooler conversations there are no people dropping by saying hey how you doing and how's this and how's that there's no what are you having for lunch hey we're going next door do you want anything there's none of that my lunch is in the refrigerator and so <laughs> I have to get up and fix it when I'm ready to fix it. But I'm, I've also realized and, and supervisors for the, for the average person, there's always somebody who's an exception, right? Mm-hmm. The one who's always gaming the system and trying to cut their way around. But for the most people, for most people, I find that I work two times harder. I'm prone to stay on my computer two hours longer than if I was in in the office and I had a cutoff of five o'clock and I had to go and pick up a child at a certain time or be home for a certain time to make dinner. Now it's like the, the danger now of, of I'd find that one of the challenges of working at home is knowing when to cut it off. When to stop that scope creep, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's a great point because right now I think what a lot of people are struggling with, are creating mm. boundaries for themselves and cool. also with their team, with their managers. Because if you think about it, when you when you start at a job, you spend what the first three to six months creating your flow, your schedule, and it's right. kind of, it's kind of like you have to do the same thing at mm-hmm. home when you're when you're working from home. It's like you're creating your own work environment for yourself. Yeah. Um, right, right. Super important for the health of your mind. I, I mean, yeah. I stare at my laptop sometimes on the weekend and I just I have to pick it up and move it out of the room. Otherwise, mm-hmm. I will open it. I will say, oh, well, I'll just do five minutes. <laughs> next thing you know, it's two hours down the road and I've been sucked in. It's the perpetual elephant in the room. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I think something you said earlier was interesting about how your colleagues, some of them need that, that feeling of community um, Mm -hmm. and how other people have just different life um, circumstances that affect whether or not this would be a good idea for them. I mean, uh, in, in my mind, when you said that, I was like, people are at different stages in their lives. Um, I mean, do you think that now, that your your team has been doing this for five years. Um, mm. Do you think that some of those people have been able to 
reconcile or find the balance in that? I mean, maybe that's a difficult question to ask since it's No, personal. no, actually, it's a good one because I have stayed in touch with my team. So I know what they do mm -hmm. outside of the work environment. And what it has done is it, it has stepped up the social interactions. If they were real connections in the office, then they have some real connections outside of the office. They've been many reunions, they've been many picnics, they've been many, um, you know, major holiday get-togethers that they have. But if the connection wasn't real, if it was an office friendship, which we, we're all familiar with, mm. and it didn't go beyond, beyond just being friendly in the work environment, then that relationship drops off and it drops away and it becomes a LinkedIn touch base. You know, you go to LinkedIn, hey, how you doing? Hey, click. And now it's happy birthday. <laughs> now it's happy birthday and congratulations. And we've been connected for 10 years, you know. So it's become a, a, a social click point and click environment. And it's not for me, for my personal um, concept of friendship and relationship, it, it's a nothing burger, you know. But mm -hmm. Um, what what it has also done is it has it has identified it has made our leaders work harder at being good leaders. Mm. It's it's easy when somebody's in front of you, but when you are behind an instant message, for example, and you're not on camera. Very recently, when we first moved home, we were not required to have webcams, mm. but then at the advent of COVID made um, our company send everybody home to keep us out of the office environment. Then they insisted that we all get webcams. I have a laptop and it has a built-in camera, so they didn't, I didn't have to purchase one. Right. But, but now there are meetings that are, are called and it says in the description, on camera. So they're, they're putting you on notice to comb your hair, put on some lipstick and <laughs> and get out of the tatty t-shirt or to put on some clothes and get out of your pajamas. <laughs> I do like that they that they give you a heads up because sometimes yeah. you know like there are the shy ones out there which I think is completely fine to be shy but like at least it gives you a little bit of a some right. time to mentally prepare for uh, the switch and right. you know uh, webcams actually have sold out in most countries because of oh yes yeah <laughs> it's impossible to get one now it's impossible we've got new hires that are coming out of training and they've got no webcams and let me tell you for the first time ever i've never thought i'd say this because i've worked my entire career in corporate america mm. but but employees are the ones who are new hires and and we're, we're now completely out of webcams um feel disconnected right. because they don't have a webcam Right. And COVID has, has really, truly changed the way we think and we operate in the office now because now our leaders, like I was saying before, our leaders not only have to make sure we're performing, that we're functioning, that right. we're taking care of the customers. Now they have to make sure we're okay up here. Right. They have, they have to actually, my boss doesn't say, good morning, Maggie. Hi, how are you? She's like, no. How are you really? How are you? How was your weekend? What did you do? Did you see your grandchildren? Did you see your son? Did, I mean, she's, she's getting all in that. And it's because right. my company has recognized that mental health is being adversely affected by working at home. Right. Even, even, even if you didn't have a history of mental health issues, you soon I know I went through a month where I was blue. I just told people, hey, Maggie, how are you? I'm blue. Right. What do you mean you're blue? I said, well, I don't want to call it depression because I don't know what depression is particularly, but I just know. Then I called it cabin fever. Mm. Then I stopped calling it cabin fever because I could technically get in my car and just drive around town. Right. Not get out, not see anybody because we were on lockdown. But then I realized what it was is that I missed physical interaction with people, face-to-face mm -hmm. -face interaction. Right. And I think that is something where, so I myself, I'm a bit of an introvert. So the actual transition for staying at home hasn't fully been difficult for me, but mm. 
I think, yes, that first month where I wasn't walking every day to the place that I needed to go because I'm the only person in Los Angeles that doesn't drive. <laughs> um, I, I felt like, oh, I'm not getting my normal steps or my, my schedule is off. I felt a little bit, it's like when you have a, a wobbly wheel on like on a right. tricycle, you know, a wagon right. and, right. Um, and you have to figure out how to, how to get everything to go smoothly again. Um, right. I want, I want us to kind of talk a little bit more deeply about what you said about mental health issues. Um, so I, when I talk about diversity or, or what we stand for um, at BGM, when we're talking about diversity, we're, we're talking about everything from learning differences, mental health, race, gender. So I think you touched upon one thing, which is where working from home can have that adverse effect for depending on your personality. And then there, maybe there's people like me who are like, huzzah, I can be friends with people from a distance. (laughs) Um, So what, what do you think about, you know, people having the opportunity to choose in the future, what will be best for them? Like, do you think that is something that's possible? Is it too complicated or, or, um, no, I definitely yeah. think it's possible, and I mm-hmm. think it's in the, it's in the stars, so to speak. Mm-hmm. I know my company's already um, talking to us, sending us emails, and and informing us that even if the even if the virus um, flattens out and they get it under control, and we get a we get a vaccine. They're seriously considering giving people the option to work at home and completely downsize the office. Mm-hmm. to accommodate that because they still feel like if they ask everybody to go back in then social distancing they still feel like distancing putting at least another desk or another cubicle between your cubicle and another is still something that's going to have to happen so they need to cut the population down at least by half in order right. to do that right so um there are many people who have small children and and like you said before you touched on this your your lifestyle, your your life stage development plays a big part in this. I'm my children are grown, they're adults, and I'm an empty nester. Mm. And so and I'm I'm looking retirement in the eye if if that's to be. Um so for me and I'm an extrovert if you haven't figured that out yet. Yeah. Super bubbly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an extrovert off the chain. So it's painful <laughs> for me to sit in silence sometimes it's painful for me to to hear my own thoughts because i'm happier hearing other people's thoughts and being in the hubbub of conversation and noise mm-hmm. i don't i don't crave silence i crave noise right. so covid has been a very sobering period of time for me and i and i honestly thought for a minute that i i, I might need to to see a therapist honestly because I, I felt sad for no reason. And, right. and then I realized I was fighting something. Right. And when I realized what I was fighting, I was fighting the silence. Right. I didn't want it to be silent. I wanted noise in here. I wanted to see a face. I wanted to be talking. And, and my normal um, activity after work was to, to go out, have drinks, go to dinner, go to movies, go shopping, do, you know, do, do, do. You hear the, the common theme under that is do. Right. COVID made me do nothing. Mm. COVID made me sit. But it's turned out to be a blessing in disguise because it has helped me figure out who I am without other people. Right. And at the end of the day, uh, we come into, I'm a strong believer, you come into this world alone, you will leave it alone, but you leave it a better person. And, and how can you be better when you don't even understand yourself? So for me, I've had to rediscover who Maggie is yeah. without other people to bounce off of. Yeah. I think a lot of people are going through that right now, just that self-development, whether it's actively teaching themselves something or what you're talking about, which is introspection um, mm. and just having to you know, really having no other choice than to consider what would I be without this, you know, this environment defining 
who I am or what what my actions will be just when I sit with Andrea or Maggie. Um, So I think that kind of, I'm curious about something as it relates to you, you mentioned your, your boss and she sounds like, she sounds like she really cares. And now it's kind of like forcing people to be more human, so to speak, and realize that there's someone on the other end. Um, And one of the things I was curious about is, you know, do you feel like, you know, like, let's talk about those conferences right now we're on zoom we're we're clearly comfortable with it and there are going to be people who might be questioning the benefit of meeting on zoom or having that sort of group conversation um the first thing i wanted to ask you about related to that is how do you think that some leaders and i'm keeping this hypothetical because you know (laughs) i don't Yeah. yeah um how do you think that some leaders are going to actually struggle with learning to lead. I mean, I'm, I'm curious about that because I think oftentimes in corporate, you know, I've worked, I worked in corporate for seven years. Um, We take, there, there's a little bit of a disconnect between someone getting that promotion and getting the training to be a leader. And now the whole landscape is changing and I think that it's a different mindset. And I'm just curious, like, how long do you think that curve might take for people to understand what success will mean for their teams? I think, I think what is beginning to dawn on leaders is that it's not enough to just produce results, right? And I know that in, in my corporate company, they're actually tying performance results to leadership behaviors that are judged by their team. So you might have off the chart sales and you met all your goals, your metrics were met, the whole nine yards. But if if your team thinks that you are an unsatisfactory leader, it shows up in in the pulse survey or Mm -hmm. the annual pulse survey that we're all required to take, or well, we're all asked to take, we're not required. Um, and that affects their um, bonus, their annual bonus, and uh, the leaders get an annual bonus that is not, not like what the team gets. And it is a major motivator mm. to at least explore. And then what happens is when they do explore and then they find out that, you know, you're actually somebody who might be worthwhile getting to know, and they like you after that. You start off as a project. If it's not your personality, but, but what it's done for leaders is it forces them, you know, to not treat their team as a project. Mm. You might start out that way, but over time, because it's, it necessitates looking at each other. And unfortunately this method of communication doesn't require that you wear a mask. So you can see the facial expressions. You can see the background. It's amazing how much you can tell about somebody by the background of their house. And it, and it makes you think about, okay, who is this person? What do they look like? You know, you might have some preconceived ideas of who they are, but if you right. see where they live, then you start, it starts to humanize them for you. Mm, yeah. I mean, just that concept of are they in a big house or do they have a TV or do, do they right. live in a studio? Um, or do they have an assigned room? Because um, I, I am fortunate to have a room that I can call an office and I've set my whole, my whole work environment is in that room. I can walk out of that room and close the door and I'm done working. But I've been on conference calls where some of my colleagues, you can see them the headboard of their bed frame. Mm. They have, they have, they live in an efficiency or they live in a one bedroom and their spouse is in the other room. And the only way to have a conference call is to relegate themselves to the room. Right. So there are aspects of economic ability to, to, to even set up an environment that you can call office. And those are the people that want to come back to the office so that they can have that room that they can call work where they can close the door and walk out of it and go home. Right. You just, you reminded me of a memory I had when I was at Spotify. Um, and sometimes we would, they're pretty flexible 
And if, it, if there was a snowstorm or anything, you just work from home. And mm -hmm. a couple of the calls I took from the executives, they had homes that literally just made my jaw drop. And I think when you're in your early 20s, you kind of um, compare yourself and you, but, mm -hmm. but you can either use it as um, sort of a motivator to mm -hmm. where you want to get to, which is what eventually I, I developed that sort of ability to do. But I totally understand that, um, that idea where you, where you just see someone at work and then you kind of see who they are outside of work just by, by looking at their environment. Um, right. And you said something earlier about, about culture. I, I think culture has a great, a great deal to do with, you said diversity mm -hmm. and I thought culture. Mm -hmm. because m my boss is uh, originally from the Caribbean and, and you know that I'm from Africa, mm -hmm. but, and, and that, that plays, it has a role that it plays in our interaction right. in that she interacts with me differently because we have that commonality of being expats. Right. Right. Um, but I also, I also see her take a different, um, body language posture on a conference call mm. when she's speaking to somebody who doesn't have that in common, who's totally different in their culture from her. And you can see how leaders, they adjust to whomever they're talking to. Yeah. And it, it's, it's, it's about, it, it's what I call personal resilience. You really have to develop a personal resilience that means that you 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 take into account that person's connectedness to you you take into account their their healthy mind are they of of good and sound mind are they happy are they like i've recently had total knee replacement and i came back to work really quickly it was in december i'm only in my fifth month and you're too young to know this but total knee replacement is a huge huge surgery and it takes a, a yeah it takes a minimum of six months to even start to feel like your limb is going to come back to you right wow. Wow. before that it's just pain and plastic and metal and crankiness and swelling and um, I still have slight sweating even at five months out but you know I shared with her that I needed to get up and stretch and and from the time that I mentioned that, she, she will send an IM, an, an instant message and say, hey, have you stretched? And she doesn't have to do that. Right. But she understands that if I get to a point where I'm not going to be able to sit still in front of my camera, in, stand, in front of my laptop because right. my knee is blowing up, it affects my workflow. It affects her life because I run her life. And so she's like, <laughs> we got to keep Maggie happy. You right. Know? Yeah. So it's, it's, it's personal resilience is huge and you can't have it without connection. You can't have it without a healthy mind. You can't have it without, um, trust. Having, having trust and faith. You know, I, for me, faith is a big thing. Yeah. I mean, how it's about how you think. And when I was growing up, you know, my, my leaders would say to me, that's stinking thinking when I was, because th I'm critical minded. <laughs> so if I think critically about something, they're like, that's stinking thinking. But now that I've had time to sit at, in my home after work and look out the window and contemplate my day and absorb what has happened, it really is true. Stinking thinking affects your body. And so now I, I meditate. And right. I know that sounds very very zen and, and I'm not sitting cross-legged because my knees I, won't let me. I live in LA, so it <laughs> <laughs> sounds like an everyday. Yeah, uh, but, <laughs> amen. But it really is. Um, it's um, my brother, John turned me on to it and he says it, it really um, meditating is breathing. Mm. And you'd be surprised how little you actually breathe on a daily basis until you make it, until you're intentional about right. it. Mindful. And just, yeah. yeah, taking just deep breaths does something to the brain that's amazing. Right. I, I think you, when I love these interactions that you describe with, with your manager, because, you know, 
I mumbled trust earlier because I really was thinking that, you know, you, you have to know someone to a certain level and have a certain um, level of trust for, for, first of all, to receive those messages and not for it to feel like, is, is this person keeping tabs on me when really it's like, you know, each other well enough for, for you to know that it's out of really good intentions that she wants to make sure you're taking care of yourself and that, you know, maybe you came to work early because you're, you're healing at home and you're working from home a little bit. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think it had a lot to do with my ability to work at home. Mm-hmm. If I, if I had to return to the office, I'd have stayed out a whole lot longer <laughs> because it involves driving. It involves mm-hmm. walking upstairs. It, it involves getting up and down, but at home I'm able to manage my needs physically Right. without impacting my my ability to work. Do you think that um, the younger employees, the ones that you mentioned, um, mm. that maybe don't have a webcam yet or maybe mm. were signed up to work in a in-person environment are going to maybe have a longer time developing that trust with managers if, since they're not face-to-face or that it will maybe help fast-track that? No, I think it, it hinders it in the beginning. Um, but it's not something that's insurmountable. I believe a leader can, uh, can acquire the same level of intimacy on the phone. Mm. They, just, they just have to put the time in to do it, right? right. And, and, and yeah, we all come to work hat in hand to make a living, to put bacon on the table. We don't come to make friends. And I, I remember that being a thing way back in the day. Well, I don't come here to make friends. Um, but now it it has become really really clear and COVID has really um, exposed the underbelly of humanity's need for -hmm. connection Um, as a person of faith I believe that anyway but not everybody is a person of faith and and they're just people who are like you know you don't pay my bills you don't pay my taxes we just come here to work I don't have to like you Right. And, and, and this has exposed that if a, a, a personality of that, of that stance and demeanor finds it very difficult to work in a, in a work at home environment, it's very difficult. Right. I actually um, I have a twin sister and we are polar opposites. We're both Gemini. We're both the two faces of, of Gemini. And she definitely is of that ideology where, you know, like, work is for work. You keep your life separate. And she's always yeah. scolding me because I tend to make uh, connections with people pretty quickly, even though I'm shy. But if I like you, you know, like yeah. I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to really want to get to know you. So right. she, it's, it's interesting to, to even in your own close network or family pool, sort of hear these different ideologies and, and just, it makes you realize that there's no one, you know, clear answer for, for what's best, you know, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, so re- recently, I, I totally agree with what you said about culture. So mm-hmm. um, there are two camps in, in diversity and, and all, of the, all of the definitions that I mentioned in what diversity is are sort mm-hmm. of the, the, the legal jargon, like what we consider diversity. And then there's the, like the part that drives morale, which is that culture. Um, and recently I was reading something interesting that happened with the NFL. So mm-hmm. they, obviously everyone's having to take Zoom calls. And I don't know how much this was part of driving their decision um, mm-hmm. to adjust their HR rules and regulations but they had a call where it seemed like everybody on the call that was being drafted were um all black men save for maybe two individuals and then all of the team leaders or executives i i uh, excuse me for not knowing exactly who they were but all of them were only two uh, out of the lot were people of color and it mm. and it kind of just shined this really really bright light on some some issues. So they so they decided to come up with these rules about hiring and, and interviewing 
where you have to have a, at least one person of color and or woman uh, mm. interviewed for a set particular slot of role. So I, right. I found that really interesting and, I, and I'm still yet to know my clear feelings about it, but I wanted to sort of get your reaction on, on what that is. And if you think that this means that having video meetings is, is gonna be good for diversity or if it's something that we have to sort of reconsider. Well, I think right off the top of the bat, I'm, I'm proud to say that um, the owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars is a diverse owner. He is, he is a man of color. So I'm, I'm proud to say that. Um, but the other thing is that I think um, working from home, being on camera brings those things to light. And, I, and I'm, I'm glad that they saw the disparity because it's, it's very much like what COVID has done for us as a people. Um, you, you've heard the expression of boiling a frog, right? And, and, and so you, you're sitting in this rut and you don't even know you're in a rut. Mm. So you can, you can build a team and, and you're looking strictly at abilities, agilities, and, and accomplishments. And you're not looking at skin color per se, or race or background or ethnicity. Right. Um, but I think in order to fix a problem, it's necessary to identify it. So I, I applaud the NFL for 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 at least noticing it, you know, there's definitely a disparity in wealth distribution in in this country, and 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 it's no clearer than that that um, most people of color are good athletes, not because they're of, of that they're people of color, mm. but because they're only a certain number of avenues towards wealth that people of color can go down. Right. You know, they're right. not born into wealth. Then they it's it's rare for them to inherit wealth. And so they're just certain channels to which you can you can aspire to make a lot of money and athletics is one of them. Right. Yeah. So it doesn't surprise me that that's how it all turns out, but um I'm glad to hear that NFL owners are looking to change that. Yeah. I think that I I absolutely agree with that. I think it was just interesting to, so a lot of this um, research for me started out because I've been trying to see what the diversity community feels about um, remote interviewing and a lot of people are suggesting that it's going to help diverse causes. Um, the only thing is a lot of companies are, are stripping back on diversity initiatives because you know we, they have to save money to stay afloat and they're not considering these groups essential. So the curiosity right now is, are more companies gonna make public statements of these diversity initiatives? And it was interesting to see that such a, a big name that has come under a lot of critique is sort of making that step towards, towards potentially and hopefully a positive change. So. Hopefully it's not all lip service. <laughs> yeah, um, remote remote interviewing is very interesting. I mean, like I've I've worked for this company thirty years, and every and I've uh, I've applied for I've posted for certain positions within the company over mm. the years, and up until the very last or the the most recent posting that I tried for, um, it has always been an in person interview, oh, sitting in front of people, and you're sitting in front of a panel of three, a team leader, a manager, and maybe a director. And the three of them ask you all the same questions. They're all mm -hmm. taking notes. And then they get together and they make a decision when you leave the room. This last job, I had to do that. One of the panelists lived in the Midwest and another lived in New York and another lived in Miami. And I, here I was in Jacksonville, Florida. The only way to conduct the interview was to do it over the phone. And it, COVID hadn't hit then, and so we weren't doing cameras, but they did, they did say that they wanted us to record a part mm -hmm. of the interview where it wasn't live like you and I are, but they'll, they'll send you the questions ahead of time. You had an opportunity to, to craft your response, but you had to record it. Yeah. And, and I, I remember thinking, well, why can't I just say it or just read it? What's the, <laughs> what, is, 
what's the what's the the thing about having to record it and after i did it i was very uncomfortable um and i'm not a shy person but i was very uncomfortable um doing it but then i realized what it is it it's a precursor to learning to do public speaking right and there's nothing more disconcerting about public speaking than looking at your own image doing it yeah it takes one practice. thing to, <laughs> it takes practice mm -hmm. and it's one thing to look out at a crowd and do and just you know grab a face and ping on that face and be able to talk to that one person but to look into a camera and record i was never so nervous in my life than that mm. um, but it also it gives them information about your personality that is intangible that is soft and it and can't be categorized easily right like your your body language your facial expression can tell them a ton of things about whether you're going to be a great employee or a problem employee i see yeah or or if you can see the pajama bottoms sort of sticking <laughs> up in the camera <laughs> exactly <laughs> Exactly. Oh my goodness! You know, it's, it's also the same thing that I'm noticing. Going, uh, one of the highlights of my week is going to the grocery store to buy my supplies for the week, <laughs> and um, and I've noticed um, an additional cutoff from connectedness because we're all wearing masks now. Mm. And I don't know about you, but I can't tell if someone's smiling. If wearing a mask. I do like to play that game where, you know, my my roommate and I ever go out grocery shopping. Am I smiling? Right. Am I frowning? Right. <laughs> I find it very uncomfortable. <laughs> I mean, and Jacksonville is a very friendly town. Everywhere you go, people will give you eye contact. They'll smile. They'll say, how you doing? As they walk past you in the whole nine yards. All of that has stopped. Mm. Go to the grocery store they you 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 lock eyes but you don't know what the other person is feeling so you say nothing and they say nothing and you just keep walking and right. you hold your breath and try not to breathe you know <laughs> yeah but i think it's very sad because i realized that my upbringing as a child as an african child from uganda you have to learn to read body language mm. quickly so if you if if you can't read that your mother's about to come across the table at you <laughs> oh you, i know <laughs> you know you're in big trouble you're in big trouble if you can't read body language you can't read expression our parents used to control us with just a look mm. just <laughs> cut those eyes and it was over you sat still you stopped doing what you were doing and you behaved now it's uh, and so I've lived my whole adult life reading people's body language and facial expression. Mm. Masks don't allow you to do that. Yeah. And it's, it's very troubling for me. Very troubling. You got to find the people that have laugh lines. And that's right. <laughs> that's right. Crosby, that's right. <laughs> um, I, I guess I want to just end with what's, I am curious about what is one thing that you, after five years of working from home, and now that the whole world, even though things are opening up and people are being mm -hmm. less responsible than we would like them to be, um, mm -hmm. you know, the future of working from home, it's not going away, but it still has a lot of questions up in the air. And okay. I guess what's one thing that you, truly truly value out of this experience whether it was a growing pain or or something that has shaped your life that you don't think you would have had um, if you didn't have this opportunity to work from home you know i think what immediately comes to mind for me is discipline mm -hmm. i am i personally am a very um impulsive impetuous and you know I fly by the seat of my pants. I generally know what I feel and what I need and whatever. And what working at home has taught me is discipline, restraint, and respect for another's space, respect for someone who's different from you that can't be recovered by 
uh, a face to face, you know, I didn't really mean that. And this is what I meant. You get, you get what I'm saying, right? I was just mm-hmm. kidding, right? No, I have found that interactions in the office now are very um, intentional. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a good thing. I don't think being intentional is a bad thing. And it's not being phony. It's being cognizant of another person's feelings, outlook, impressions, experiences that affect the way they respond to you. And I'm telling you, working in an office environment where you could get up and walk away or you just you can ignore and glance off and not feel like you need to connect, all of that has been changed by working at home. Because A, you don't have time to waste. You have to use your time wisely. You can't sit on Zoom all day. You have to actually work. Right. And, um, and, you, and you, can't, you can't interact on the camera and type and do, you know, you've got to do one of the others. Disrespectful to, to dual task. One of the things I used to be proud of is that I'm a multitasker. Yay! Mm. Multitasking. <laughs> I have discovered from working at home that multitasking is actually disrespectful. Mm. It's disrespectful. It, it, it makes the other person feel like they're, they're not important enough for you to focus. Then, and, and you're doing everything with only half your brain. Right. And I think everything we do should be given its full focus. It should be given your full attention. And so the one thing I think I've learned from this is discipline and the ability to be intentional. Right. Yeah, we millennials, we will we'll work on that. <laughs> I, think we're, I think we're doing okay. We're learning. <laughs> Amen. You're all learning. That's all, that's all we're doing. We're all learning. Yeah. We're all um, learning. Well, this has been such a pleasure and honestly a Thank blessing. You to be able to share this time with you. Um, You know, having worked at a company for 30 plus years is, uh, it's something that I think a lot of people don't get to see as much anymore now that the way of the world is to sort of see which job fits. And I I know how that is, but I always find it very impressive for someone to be able to find a home and and grow in the company. So it's really valuable to get your insights and knowledge as you're able to see the ebbs and flows of of a company in transition. Mm -hmm. So thank you again. You're (laughs) welcome. You're welcome. Thank you for wanting to talk to me. I think a lot of a lot of what I call stick-to-itiveness when it comes to working arose out of my being a single parent. I raised both my children as a single parent and I Mm. never felt like I had the luxury to experiment with, okay, I don't like this place, so I'm going to flip over here and flip over there. I know today it's necessary to keep moving to increase your salary. Right. Um, and, um, And I know speaking to one of my brothers, it's, it's, you know, younger people today don't think of the 401k as 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 your your nest egg anymore it's mm-hmm. it's a thing those of us who have one are it's a thing of a past it's fading and now you know people are are doing what you know warren buffett said you know he's one of the richest people in the world said you know if you don't have if you don't have something making money for you while you're sleeping you will never stop working mm. And, and so, and, and if that's your goal, there's some people whose goal it is not to stop working. They want to work until right. they can't work anymore. Right. But most people want to have a time of reflection and grandchildren and travel and take in the world. And I just, I never, I never thought that I had um, the luxury of job hopping because I come from the old school of too many jobs on your resume is a negative. Right. Um, but now it's totally accepted. And it's like, <laughs> okay, it's all right. We understand. You didn't like that and you didn't like this. And now you're here and we're glad <laughs> to have you. <laughs> well, when you have your retirement party, I hope yeah. that the world's open up and that I'm invited. And you will be invited. <laughs> <laughs> I'll bring the wine. <laughs> That's right. Keep it pouring. <laughs> 
Oh, well, thank you. We'll have you on again, I hope. And um, thank you. And I'll talk to you again soon. <laughs> thank you, Andrea. Thank you. Anytime. Thank you so much for tuning into the Black Girl on Mars podcast. I'm so grateful that Maggie was able to share her experiences with us today. She leads a private life, but if you do want to continue learning more about these topics, be sure to check out the show notes on our website, onlyblackgirlonmars.com forward slash podcast, where I've posted some articles and resources related to our discussion. Next week, we will have an exciting conversation with the host of the Self-Aware Millennial, New Orleans-based performer Jessica Mixon, otherwise known as J-Mix. We'll be diving deep into topics of validation, emotional security, and the need for self-care. I look forward to seeing you back on Mars and continuing the conversation there. I mean, I'll, I'll make a little special, special video for for us. You got to do the bloopers. Just do a blooper reel and send it to me. <laughs> I was going to tell you earlier mm. when you um, when you mentioned Jacksonville hospitality is that yeah. when when I was last in Jacksonville I did receive some type of hospitality when a woman called me Beyonce while I was running down the beach. But <laughs> wow! I don't I don't know I don't know if it was a compliment though. <laughs> it was a compliment, believe I, me. I was at the time bald-headed and I was just running down the beach and she was telling her son I was Beyonce it was it's I, I think of it as that southern uh oh you you poor thing or the sweet the sweet tea hospitality no, no it, it's it's not the bless your heart it's oh not bless your bless heart your that's heart. the phrase no, no. it's not the bless your heart if she called you Beyonce she was talking about your physical makeup because uh. Beyonce has beautiful and she's cut and she's beautiful and her skin is smooth and that's you. Well, thank, mm-hmm. thank you. Thanks, Maggie. <laughs> that's you. Appreciate that's that. you. <laughs>